welcome, welcome. This is According to Callus, and uh, this is late. Uh, this is a late f- Monday night episode that I'm actually going to put up on a Tuesday morning, I guess. Um, we're going to call this episode Helpful Definitions. So as we're going towards the next primary season, I thought it might be useful to understand a few words that you might hear bantied about. And they're all going to come under the idea of the all-inclusive term conservative, which you may recall in the past I've dismissed and I don't want to say mocked, but tweaked because quite frankly, the idea of conservative is different in everybody's mind and everybody has a different definition. And quite frankly, we don't even agree with what a conservative is. But my libertarian friends often state the conservative's job is to hold the line that the liberals have won 10 or 20 years earlier. And I find it very difficult to take umbrage with that or dispel that notion because, quite frankly, all the evidence tends to support that argument. And even if you have issues with libertarians, almost all of them are inherently consistent which causes challenges because sometimes as a full-fledged libertarian, you have to agree to certain things that you know are wrong in order to stay consistent. So that that's the challenge. If you want to be a declared libertarian from time to time, you have to be okay with things that you don't like. The other thing being is you have to be okay with things that if you're a man of faith or a woman of faith, fly in the face of that faith and you are basically going to have to be okay with it and that's that's a challenge and you got to be difficult it's got to be difficult to determine how best to do that so the uh consistency is a hallmark of somebody that is a real libertarian okay uh, just my opinion because of course the show is according to callus so my definitions are my definitions and they are meant to be helpful guides so that when you hear certain key phrases or terminology in this next primary election cycle, you can discern what it is these people are trying to tell or signal to you. So if we go under the broad banner of conservative, there are seven or eight different subsets of what somebody might lump in as a conservative. So uh, I'll briefly run through them and then I'll go back and give a little bit of a more specific breakdown as to what they are. So you're going to have your Christian conservatives Those are usually grouped together with social conservatives. And I'll explain why I want to get back to that. Then you're going to have your constitutional conservatives. Those are often lumped in with national or nationalist constitution, or I'm sorry, nationalist conservatives. I don't know that that's necessarily fair, but the two are not mutually exclusive in my opinion. Then you're going to have your fiscal conservatives. And a branch of that, or maybe a secondary portion of that, would be the libertarian conservatives, primarily focused on the spending portion of what goes on in government. Then you're going to have the neocons. I'm not going to define that specifically right now. Suffice it to say that some lump them in as a conservative and others are no longer doing so. And then you'll have what are roughly referred to as paleoconservatives or the old right. Then there is another, let's call it umbrella group referred to as movement conservatives. Those are typically your social conservatives, your um, fiscal conservatives, 
uh, neocons and a couple of maybe one or two other groups that might line up in there. Uh, they added in Christian conservatives and I, uh, later on, and I think most people would probably include the constitutional conservatives. It's kind of a mm, umbrella term for people that are actually active in certain uh, quote unquote conservative uh, groups. So now again, before I get to these definitions, because I'm here to help you understand the other thing that you have to deal with is there's a derisive term called a cuckservative. These are people that the best way I can explain it, sell out their conservative brethren for various reasons. And whether you're comfortable with that term or not, I think in some instances it's very appropriate. They're okay losing as long as they get to be part of the cocktail crowd afterwards. Again, um, I realize it's an uncomfortable term for some people, but it is there. It is real. And uh, perhaps we can find a more creative way to explain uh, what those folks uh, do. And the other one that is out there that uh, maybe deserves a moment of explanation are the... Hmm. I'm trying to think of a way to say it that is appropriate. Uh, I've heard many variations and some are more appropriate than others. We'll call them teleconservatives, right? Those are people that they put on TV or they put on interviews that have the talking points memorized and they can lay it out a good argument, but there's really no there there. There, Some people call them empty suits. I, I just, I think most of these folks get lost without their teleprompter and I don't necessarily mean that as the absolute disparaging thing that it maybe sounds like. It's just that they know what they believe, but don't necessarily know why they believe what they believe, Uh, which is something that I've always encouraged my daughters to do uh, is it's okay to disagree with your old man but you need to know why you disagree with your old man. You need to have a valid argument and I will be happy to accept that. So that being said, let's now move on the circle back, if you will, to these uh, fun definitions, right? So I say Christian conservatives and social conservatives are often lumped together. Reason being is most social conservatives are driven by their faith. Now, there are mm, conservatives that are were concerned about social things that are not necessarily Christian. Uh, you can get into splicing the different sects or personalities within the Christian uh, worldview. Some of these folks are maybe Orthodox. Some of these, and by that I mean Orthodox Jew. And some of them are maybe even Muslim. Or maybe they come from a group within Hindu that has certain... Uh, things that they expect, but they have a social more system, whether or not it's, you know, in complete alignment with what the Western view of culture is in social behavior. That's kind of what animates them. And then of course the Christian conservative is focused primarily on those Christian values and virtues. And so that's the easiest way to explain that. 
that does run into some troubles and I will actually, I'm going to jump into that right now. So as a Christian, you believe in typically uh, what they call the spheres of influence or spheres of authority. And to my mind, and again, because this is according to Callus, there are certain things that I can believe as a Christian that I think are sinful or harmful behaviors, but I can also at the same time believe that the government should not be involved in enforcing or, or making other people comply with that. The whole point of Christianity is you choose that faith of your own and you, you know, take it and you own it and you, and you follow it by your choice. Now, some hardcore Calvinists might, uh, disagree slightly on that, but you have to make a choice to do that no matter any variation. Okay. Uh, so that leads to be, you know, when you start going into the theocracy mode. Now, I also know that there are a lot of, uh, Christians that are both comfortable and uncomfortable with their influencing in government. And I don't necessarily have an issue with it either, But the thing that I want to make sure I make clear is I don't want any one group, whether it's my group as a Christian or another group coming in and dictating that everybody must do these things that go beyond what even is covered in the Ten Commandments, right? That's pretty simple, right? You had ten laws. There were some different applications thereof, but that's kind of the entirety of what you need to know. So I'm very uncomfortable with the idea that there's more that you need to be forcing people to partake in that. That's, we should all be uncomfortable with that because just because we have some level of authority now, doesn't mean that 20 years from now we're going to have the same and what's to prevent another group from doing the same thing. It's just a dangerous precedent. On the flip side, we also have seen through historical knowledge that when one group of power or one group of people come into power, they often forget about those restraints and they do what they're going to do to the detriment of everybody else. So there is something to be said about dealing with that. Next group, constitutional conservatives. Now, again, and I'm going to give a sub-segment to the national constitutionalists or the national conservatives. So a constitutional conservative basically states, look, we have this set of rules. It's supposed to be the highest law of the land and everything should flow from this and be held up to this. And if it's not, therein lies the problem. You're not following the rules that we agreed upon. Now, this is not a perfect answer, but it's better in my opinion than almost every other answer. Then the national conservatives basically say, look, we are Americans. We have a separate set of rules for Americans and we believe that the national government has a certain authority that was granted to it by the states and that jurisdiction only goes so far, but these rules or these ideas of conservative thought apply in the United States, these United States to be exact. And I think that's valid. I think there's some overlap. I think there's some distinguishing differences. And honestly, Almost every quote-unquote conservative group should be okay with this. This should be the least offensive of any of the groups, the or the subgroups, if you will, of conservatism, the constitutionalist, because they're what you would call the 
minimalist or a fundamentalist, if you will. In other words, these are the laws that are written. This is what everything must comply with. If you're not, therein lies the problem. So again, very simple. Um, that's, that's the phrase or the term that I often use to describe myself as to be a, the constitutionalist. Um, there's one other one here that I would have used from time to time, and I'll get to it. And then you have the fiscal conservative. Now, the fiscal conservative basically focuses only on things having to do with spending or monetary policy and basically disregards or has very little interest in any kind of social or any other issue. Um, These guys are becoming more and more difficult to find uh, because they often get lumped into another group. So now let's go to the next one. The libertarian conservative. Now, the libertarian conservative, again, um, I, for many years, defined myself as that. I, I was very comfortable with that. They are mostly very individualistic, very uh, keyed on individual responsibility, individual authority, self-ownership. And these guys, I agree with 90% of the time on a lot of issues. There's a couple things I, I just can't go there. Um, whether that has to do with my faith or whether it has to do with, I think they're going uh, a step behind with what the constitution would even allow. But be that as it may, we're going to be on that same bus to the destination for 90% of the way. I, I'm totally good with these guys. All right. Then there's the movement. We're going to punt that to the end because I've already kind of explained what that is. Uh, then you have the neocons. Now, neocons are an interesting subset because they're basically an outgrowth of a Trotskyite or a progressive that because they believe in a big military and because they want this expressive foreign policy, get lumped in with conservatives. But the reality is, is they generally don't have a lot in common with any of these conservative groups I've went through already. I, I think this is a misnomer, and I really think my humble opinion that the neocons got to go they're, they're they're a problem with anything having to do with conservative anything but again this is just one man's opinion and then you have the paleo conservatives now this is the last group and i i don't necessarily use this term to describe myself but i would say that i often find myself aligned with these guys these are the old movement, the old right, the anti-war conservatives. Um, you might lump Taft in there. You might lump uh, Buchanan in there. You might lump, uh, I guess, there's a couple other guys that you would throw in there, particularly uh, the people that oppose the New Deal early on. Um, there is a wealth of writings and speeches that exist that took place basically through the entirety of the Roosevelt administration. Now, many of this got put to the side, or much of this got put to the side, if you will, as soon as Pearl Harbor happened. And as with anything in politics, nothing is ever clear or perfect. It is, how can we get the closest to perfect or the best outcome, right? This is why we often have to compromise and try and move the ball forward. I mean, our friends holding up scare, scare quotes, if you will, on the left are 
experts at this. They keep whittling away at society and culture for decades and decades until now we redefine what a man and a woman is. And everybody's shocked. How did this happen? But they have been working on it for decades and we did nothing to prevent it. So when you look at the movement conservatives, right? That's those, I guess, five or six groups that I talked about earlier. They're always a constant tension there. Uh, jockeying for position, making sure that certain people have preeminence and certain people can do certain things and have a certain amount of authority and influence. And I'm really not interested in that. I want the right thing. I w- want the right person. I want the right outcome. Sometimes that means I have to accept things that are less than ideal. Sometimes that means I have to lose in the short term to win in the long term. This does go back to the previous uh, term I used, right? Somebody that takes pleasure in losing because I'm standing on principle, right? There's a dangerous uh, line there. It's one thing to get into a fight that you're going to lose, but you actually have a chance to win, right? Those fights, and I'm talking metaphorically here. I mean, I'm not talking about punching people in the face. I'm just political battles, if you will. The fights that you think you at least have a chance to win, we have to be in those. We have to show up to every one of them. But the guy that enjoys losing because, well, I had to hold to my absolute value of this, when he could have just as easily made a little bit of a compromise to get 80% of what he wanted, to get 75% of what he wanted, because it was an absolute win, is he counts it as a loss and he takes some kind of Morbid pleasure in that. He he likes seeing his team go down because he didn't he didn't get in there and do what needed to be done in order to win. And that's a frustration for everybody, right? We see this all the time. Now, as an activist, and I've spent a lot of my adult life as an activist, I have to hold the line. It's my job to hold the line. It's my job to push for the best result we can get. But on the flip side, if somebody on my team comes out and says, hey, look, I can get 75% or I can give them a fire victory. And if you don't know what that is, you need to go look. I'm not going to explain it. If you'll just go with this. Well, yeah, you'd have to be a fool not to take that. You have to take the win when you get it. Knowing full well that no war is completely over until the enemy is completely vanquished. But if you can take a major win, you have to take it. And we have people that do that and they do it well. And it's frustrating sometimes for the activist, right? To see that, well, we got most of what we wanted, but we didn't get everything that we wanted. So it's a failure. No, 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 no. Look, so I'm going to use my, my example, this last session or not last session, but this last term of office, right? For 2021. The legislature has been in session. They had three special sessions as well. But one of the things that came out was the permitless carry. Now, in my mind as an activist, this is not constitutional carry. This is not what I wanted. But as a political me, I look at it. Hey, man, this is 75% of what I wanted. And it's done. It's, it's, It's law. It's not going anywhere. Take it. It's a big win. Is it everything? No. Am I am I uber pleased and count that as a, as 
check mark this is done this this republican priority or this platform plank has been fulfilled no no it, it's not it's not all the way there but we went from say the 30 yard line to use a football analogy to the 70 yard line right or well i guess it's backwards from our 30 yard line to our opponent's 30 yard line so now we're within the very least striking distance of winning and taking the big win, getting the full-fledged constitutional carry. Interestingly enough, many of the uh, police organizations routinely show up down in Austin to oppose expanding gun rights. And you can look at the various motivations that might be at play for that, but each time they lose, they just move their bar back. Well, we're going to oppose this. We're going to oppose this. As opposed to recognizing and realizing that it's not the Wild West. It hasn't become the Wild West. It's not going to be the Wild West. People generally that are going to carry a firearm are going to do it in a proper, respectful fashion. The people that were the problem already, they didn't ever care about those laws in the first place. They didn't respect them anyway. Lawbreakers break laws. And to pretend otherwise is very frustrating. Also, while we're on this topic, we often forget that culture is upstream of politics and politics is upstream of policy. And it may take a decade to reverse a policy, but we have to do that by first affecting the culture. And this is where it becomes the most important thing. And this is why I went to the trouble of giving the definitions of various conservatives. It is a dangerous situation to expect policy to correct culture. Why do I say this? Because culture is supposed to be determined by the churches, by the family. And if the family's not doing their job, and there's many that are not, and if the churches aren't doing their job, and there's even more that are not, then the culture changes. The culture became, for lack of a better word, worse or less respectful or however you want to phrase it. The culture changed, which then affected the politics. Why do you think now we're having to fight over the definition of what's a man and what's a woman? That's because we as parents or we as grandparents or we as Christians or churchgoers or whatever you want to call it, or even those folks that go to the temple somewhere, we didn't do our job of imparting that upon the next generation. And some would say that, you know, the boomers, our parents' generation, didn't do a good job imparting that on us. And so now we're looking at the fall of culture, which has then created bad policy and bad politics. The way to reverse that is to address these underlying issues. We cannot depend on government to come fix that. Government is like fire, right? This, I think, a George Washington quote, so I'm going to paraphrase it. It's a useful tool or or a useful um, servant, but it is a fearsome master. You do not want government running your life. The final subgroup that I'm going to give you for conservatives. I'm going to call them liberty conservatives or liberty Republicans or liberty activists. They make up those people that would self-identify as constitutionalists. They would 
be made up by most people that refer to themselves as Christian conservatives. They would also be made up of a lot of those people that are libertarian conservatives. Those are the people that know that we have a sphere of influence or a sphere of authority and that church is supposed to do certain things, family is supposed to do certain things, and there's very few things that we want to hand off to government. And there's multiple levels of government. So we want to be very careful what we give them authority and power over. We want to protect individual liberty. That is our first priority. Now, I'm going to have a part two to this because there are other things at play here. Again, these are useful things that you'll want to understand going forward. And uh, that will be uh, Helpful Definitions Part 2, which will likely post Tuesday evening. So, y'all have a great day. I will see you on the other side.